One of the things that uh, preachers don't get to do too much is hear other preachers. And uh, last week, as we were coming home, we stopped in at uh, Flagstone Church of Christ in around Bentonville, Arkansas, and, and uh, I heard my nephew, uh, Marshall Brown, preach. And as I was listening to him, I, I started thinking about my own preaching, and I, I started to think about how sermons, you know, preachers just kind of crank sermons out. And I, uh, and I, I had this designed to say before I even listened to Caleb's sermon on, on uh, uh, being cynical. So uh, I, I apologize for just cranking out sermons sometimes. And, and I, I, I need to realize that Jesus is real and he is real in our lives and he means uh, for us to be real. And in these stories that we've been studying over the last several weeks, I hope that this comes alive and is not just kind of a, kind of a thing that we just kind of gloss over, but these things that really happen really truly affect our lives. This parable that we're going to study today is, is unique to Matthew. Nowhere else do we find it except in this book. And, and note how many times in the parables that Jesus uses that he has an agricultural reference. It's because that was the day and age that they lived in. And he would point these things out. And he pointed things out that were familiar to them. And so he did this to make it understandable. And yet many, many, many times... They just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. They struggled with, with exactly what Jesus was saying. And, and they would ask for an explanation. And this one is no exception. It just shows us sometimes that it can be plain as the nose on our face. And we just miss it. So I want you to read with me, if you want to, Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to read this from N.T. Wright's translation of the Kingdom New Testament, starting in verse 24 of chapter 13. He put another, another parable to them, and he said, the kingdom of heaven. And I, I want us to latch on to that because Jesus teaches an awful lot of parables where he starts off by saying the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is like. And this is no exception. The kingdom of heaven is like this. Once upon a time, a man sowed good seed in his field. Well, that makes sense, doesn't it? And while the workers were asleep, his enemy came. Notice it's his enemy who comes and sows the seed. He came and sowed seeds in the wheat and went away. And when the crop came up and produced wheat, then the weeds appeared as well. We might think, well, it's weeds. Surely you can see that. But it's my understanding that this, and, and the, the version that, that Brent used uses the word tares. Uh, tares is a very common thing, and it looks very much like wheat. And you can't really tell the difference until it's time to harvest. And so they come there and they say, uh, it produces wheat and the weeds appeared as well. And so we... We struggle, we say, well, you can see weeds in a, in a garden and you, you just take your hoe and you, you cut them out. It's not the way it happened there. So the farmer's servants came to him. Master, they said, didn't you sow good seed in your field? 
Where have the weeds come from? This is the work of an enemy, he replied. So the servant, and by the way, (laughs) can you imagine somebody just out of evil, out of meanness, would say, he sowed his field today, I'm going to go sow bad seed in there. I mean, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? This is the work of an enemy, he replied. So the servant said to him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he replied. If you do that, you'll probably pull up the wheat as well while you're collecting the weeds. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And then when it's time for the harvest, I will give the reapers this instruction. First gather the weeds and tie them up in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Well, then he goes on with other parables. And so they come back to it, and and the the disciples come to him and say, okay, Jesus, it's another one. Can you explain this to us? Jesus says, okay, I'll tell it to you. Here you go. He said, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, and the weeds are the children of the evil one. The enemy who has sowed them is the devil. And the harvest is the close of the age, and the reapers are angels. So when the weeds are gathered and burned in the fire, that's what it will be like at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they'll collect out of his kingdom everything that causes offense and everyone who acts wickedly. And they'll throw them into the fiery furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. And if you have ears then here. This is really a very practical uh, parable. As I was first getting ready for it, as I read it, I thought, you know, what in the world am I going to say about this? I'm not sure I can really come up with something that's, that's practical, that's, that's applicable, but I did. Here we go. First of all, there's evil in the world. Duh, you say. We we all know that. But it's always been here and it always will be. There are evil people that think in evil ways and think in ways that we would never even think of. Or maybe you have thought of those things. But think back to Cain and Abel. You think they had the, the perfect place. They had a wonderful place to live. But Cain kills Abel because he is jealous of his brother. And then I think about the time of Noah. And I, I read, I, this is a great passage. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth. And listen to this. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart, every inclination was only evil all the time. I think there are three important things. Every inclination, only evil, all the time. So it's always been around. Somebody once said to me when I was working at a Christian college, they said, you know, it must be nice to work at a Christian college where there aren't any politics. (laughs) I said to them, it is nice to work at a Christian college. And I stopped right there. I didn't say anything else. But you know, there's evil in the church. There are people who think evil things. 
There are people who out of selfish ambition seek their own way sometimes. And have you ever been a part of a church fight? They are no fun. They are no fun at all. And here's the thing. Some people say, well, you would think that a Christian school, that everybody would be acting like Christians. You'd think that at a church, everyone would act like good people. Let me, let me throw something out to you. Has Satan, does he need to do any work in the world? No, he doesn't because he's already won over the world. Where do you think Satan saves his best work for? It's in places where people are trying to do what God wants them to do. But don't take my word for it. They had this same problem back in the New Testament. Peter says there were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false prophets among you. And they will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow the depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth and di into disrepute. And in their greed, those teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. And so we need to be aware that there is evil in the church. Even though you have a wonderful field of, of wonderful wheat, there are some weeds in the middle of there. And so we've got to be careful. But number two, sometimes it's hard to determine those who are and who aren't in the kingdom. It's not easy sometimes. As in Jesus' parable, they looked exactly like Christians. Remember me talking about church fights? Scripture is used to describe both sides in a fight, and so sometimes it's hard to distinguish. William Barclay says this, A man may, be, may appear to be good and may in fact be bad, and a man may appear to be bad and may yet be good. We are much too quick to classify people and label them good or bad without knowing all the facts. We need to be careful, which leads me into the next point. We need to be careful and not be too quick with our judgments. The one who was to reap suggested they tear everything out. Think about that for just a minute. What would have happened to the rest of the crop had they torn out all the wheat or all the, all the, the weeds? It would have destroyed the crop. And judgment is not based on one act. I had a friend of mine who played baseball one time. Well, he played it all the time, but... He, he was a, a good person, never swore, never did anything like that. And he was playing in a, in a difficult, close game, slid into home plate. It would have been the winning run. The umpire called him out, and he felt like it was obviously safe, and he swore. And you know what people remember about his life? They don't remember that he was a good person. They don't remember that he never cussed. They remember the one time 
that he cussed. How would you like to be remembered for that? How would you be like, or how would you like to be judged on the basis of one thing that happened in your life, or perhaps even a period of your life where you didn't do what you were supposed to do? If somebody keeps, don't you love it when somebody keeps bringing up something that you've done in the past? We've got to be careful about that. And I want to tell you something. You don't have the right to be the judge anyway. I don't deserve to have the right to be a judge anyway. Because you see, I'm biased. And you're biased. Remember when Jesus said, you who are without sin cast the first stone? I have a feeling that even though this woman that was caught in adultery, she had done a very, very evil thing, that the people who were around her were probably evil people also. There is only one who is sinless. There is only one who can completely and, and in an unbiased way, in his judgments, it is Jesus Christ himself. He is the only one. And even though the parable calls the angels the reapers, it is Jesus who will judge and not us. Now, most preachers, I shouldn't say that. I'm judging, aren't I? Some preachers would have taken this parable and made it immediately into a judgment sermon. Sometimes people come up to me and say, you know, Jim, you need to do more uh, fire and brimstone. You know, sometimes I think we, we preach more of fire and brimstone rather than wanting to be in heaven with Jesus. Sometimes we, we say the, the motivation should be fear of, of hell rather than, than the joy of being with Jesus. But in this passage of Scripture, judgment does come in the end. Let me, let, me, let me tell you this. Rest assured that God will take care of things in the end. Make no mistake about it that God will make sure that justice is done. And sometimes we want to jump in there and help God and say, well, you know what? God needs to, a little bit of help. You know, see that one over there? You know, I'm, I'm not going to judge, but maybe that one over there needs a little pushing. We don't need to do that. Our lives are about being with Jesus. Shouldn't our lives be about being with Jesus and keeping others from the consequences of what could happen if they continue to follow the enemy. Isn't that why we gather together? Isn't that why we worship together? Isn't that why we come together? To encourage one another. When this world is, is evil to us, when this world tries to get us to do what it wants us to do, isn't that the reason why we come together and gather together to encourage one another? Why is it that we dwell on the evil and not on the good? Because you see, at the end of the parable, it says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. We want to focus on, well, the rest of them are going to be thrown in the lake of fire. 
But Jesus ends it by saying, the righteous will shine like the kingdom of their father. And then he said, and I like the way that, that the kingdom New Testament puts this. If you have ears, then hear. You remember when you were growing up and your parents were saying something to you? I know never, none of you had this problem. And they said, are you listening? In essence, Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, are you listening? Oh, God forbid that we don't listen to our Savior. Jesus spoke in parables to reveal hidden things, to tell people of the kingdom. And he usually responds by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Remember, if you go to Revelation, the book of Revelation, you go there to the seven churches and every one of those things, every one of those churches, as he's talking to them at the very end of it, he'll say, you know, I have this against you or, or you do this well. Uh, you know, sometimes he doesn't say anything good about them. But at the end of it, he says, if you got ears, then hear. And he says that to us. And, and you know, it's kind of interesting. In every case that I know in Scripture where there's a warning about judgment, sometimes it's about judgment. It, it describes the destruction of Jerusalem. Sometimes it talks about the coming of the end of the age. And I have people, I know people that, that just argue and make this a, 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 an issue. I mean, they make it a, an issue of fellowship. No, that's talking about this. No, that's talking about that. And we miss the whole point. The whole point is, he says, what kind of people ought you be? Every judgment thing. And I don't care if it's about the destruction of Jerusalem or if it's about the coming of the end of the age. The whole point of the thing is what kind of people should you be? And that's where we are today. In this parable of the wheat and tares, this parable of the, the wheat and the weeds, let me ask you, where do you stand in that? Are you part of the wheat? Are you part of the ones that are growing and, and, and producing fruit? Are you the one that's causing the problems? Oh, don't do that. Don't do that. Because what happens is there will be a judgment day. It's going to be one of those kind of things. And we should all want to be with Jesus. We're going to sing an invitation song that Roger has picked. I don't know, Roger, did I go the way you thought I should go? Not at all. Not at all. Okay. <laughs> Good. I like to keep you guessing. Our shepherds and their wives will be prepared to, to, to meet with you. They'll be standing at the doors. Uh, if, if you would like to, to visit with them pray with them they'd be more than happy or if you want to respond in a public way we're going to sing an invitation song to you and with you and we want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing